We used to live in Oregon, and a friend and I, uh, Keith, uh, we used to go salmon fishing all the time. Um, there's a lot of little rivers on the Oregon coast where the salmon come in several times a year, different kinds of salmon. And um, so we used to go down there, and I tell you, one of the problems with that is I love fishing, but you know, once you get used to catching like a 40-pound fish, you know, a little brown trout really, or you know, just doesn't cut it. So I got a little spoiled, but one time we were out fishing and we used to go to mostly Tillamook Bay. And you may not be familiar with Oregon, but, but Tillamook Bay is kind of a big opening around, uh, surrounded by mountains. And it's sort of a flat area and has a big bay and there are five rivers that run into it. And it's primarily a dairy farming country. There's a giant cheese factory right in the middle called Tillamook Cheese. And so there are these cow farms everywhere. So Keith and I were out and we're in the actual Tillamook River, which is not a big river, right? It's a little tiny river and it's kind of flowing through these cow fields. I just want to kind of set the scene for you. So there's this, this little river and it's about from here to the back wall wide, maybe not even that wide. And it's kind of in a flat area. And there's little trees kind of growing up on each side. And the cows are over there sort of munching. But of course, it's Oregon, and it's on the coast. And so it's raining, because it's always raining. And it's springtime, so the water is running pretty fast coming out of the mountains. And I'm there fishing, and Keith is somewhere else. And I'm kind of, we're wearing waders. Right? So I've got waders that come up to about, you know, here. And I've got the special shoes with the felt soles so I can kind of walk in the mossy rocks of the river. So springtime, the water's about 50 degrees, it's running really fast, and I'm fishing, and by fishing I mean I'm throwing a line into the water. I haven't caught anything, it's really slow. And so my mind and eyes kind of begin to wander. And so I look out and across the river, there's, you know, the trees, and it's, they're, they're like Christmas trees, they're filled with lures. Right? Instead of ornaments, there's all these lures hanging off of the tree. And I'm bored, and I'm thinking, I'm not catching any fish. I bet I could just walk over there across the river and get those lures. Because the river's not very deep, necessarily. And so I start walking across the river, and I get about halfway, and the water's about here. And it's cold, and it's moving fast, and there's slippery rocks. And I'm thinking to myself, John, this is surely the stupidest thing you've ever done. <laughs> And you're going to die in this river surrounded by cows because you're wearing a giant bag around your body. And it's going to fill with water and drag you down out into Tillamook Bay. But I'm in the middle of the river. So what do I do? Do I go forward? Or do I turn back? So as it turns out, I did go forward. I went across the river and I did retrieve some of the lures and I found a, an even shallower spot to get myself across, but it also was almost equally terrifying. And I say this because, you know, water is one of those things that um, is absolutely essential for our life. Right? We, in fact, 90% or something of our bodies is, is water. And you know, if you've ever seen the cremains of someone, when you take the water away, there's not a whole lot of you left. Right? So we're mostly water. Water is essential for, for our life. We have to have it to, to be who we are. And it's, it's, the, uh, it's symbolically for us as Christians, we, we go through water to come to faith through baptism. Right? And so, so water is this amazing life-giving thing that is kind of all around us that, that makes up who we are, that is essential to us, but that is also very scary. It's terrifying. 
In fact, the scariest thing I ever did, I used to be on a submarine, and, and the way you would, if you did work on the submarine, like if you had to, uh, you know, remove a large piece of equipment, the way you did that is you cut a giant hole in the side, and you move that out of the way, and you take out whatever it is you need to take out, and you put in whatever you need to put in, and then you weld it back together. And then the way you test it is, you go out into the water, and you go deeper and deeper and deeper and to see if it leaks. They do x-rays and stuff first, but you know, that's essentially the final test. And so we had done some work on the upper, on that back hatch, the rear hatch, which is, you know, that big round door that you get in out of. And my job was, there's two doors, there's an outer door and an inner door. And my job was every 200 feet till we got all the way down as far as we're supposed to go, was to open the inner hatch to see if the outer hatch was leaking. And let me tell you that a hole as big around as my pinky, you know, at a thousand feet below the surface of the ocean, the water comes in mighty fast. Now, thankfully, they did good work at the shipyard and there was no leaks, but it was scary, right? And, and actually being on the submarine was just like horrifyingly scary if you really ever had to stop and think about it, which thankfully we never did. But, but water is the scariest thing I know. All of my greatest fears revolve around drowning in some sort of way. And I've done lots of stupid things involving water that put my life at risk. At the same time, I love the water. I love being by the lake. I love going on boats. I love being at the river. I don't really like the beach so much, but that's not because of the water. It's because of the sand and the sun. I'm not a big fan of those things. But I love water. I'm okay with like a nice restaurant overlooking the beach. That's cool. Um, but I love water, but at the same time, I have a really sort of healthy respect for what water can do. And I think this all sort of diatribe is moving to the point where I think when we hear things like the fear of the Lord, a lot of us kind of have a, that doesn't sound right. I mean, we're not afraid of Jesus, right? But we, we hear this over and over again about the fear of the Lord. And I think the fear of the Lord is a bit like my fear of water, right? It's this awesome, amazing force, this great and powerful thing that is absolutely essential to our life. And yet, it's so far beyond our understanding that, that we need to treat it with respect. We need to approach it with reverence. Right? So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, we're not talking about some stern Catholic nun in the sky with a giant ruler ready to wrap your knuckles. We're talking about respecting and being reverential to this awesome creative power that loves us, right? that wants the best for us, that is absolutely essential for our true thriving, right? that we can't really thrive as people without God. And, and so when we think about sin, right, I think the best way to think about sin is not as there are like these rules and you can follow the rules or not follow the rules, but more like when we do the things that God wants us to do, it leads to our thriving. But when we do the things that, that are not in accord with God's plan, with what we want to do, when we just do what we want to do, things don't always go so well. If we don't respect the power and the authority of God, it's not that God has to punish us. The punishment is kind of built into the choice. It's kind of like 
Probably all of us have encountered a stupid person. Probably all of us have, have been a stupid person. I'll raise my hand to that one. I, I just told you a story where I did something really stupid, so clearly. Right, and the problem with when we do things that, that are, are not very wise is they lead to bad consequences. The perfect example is driving, right? There are really complicated rules for driving. The actual act of making a car go straight is pretty easy. In fact, you can take your hand off the wheel and it'll mostly go straight as long as your wheels are aligned. But navigating through the system of roads and learning all the rules is how we drive safely. And we all know that when we encounter people who feel like the rules of the road don't apply to them, trouble ensues. The same way when we think about following God's will. When we follow God's will, everything goes well. And when we don't, sometimes bad things happen. And so when we approach this idea of sin, right, it's a bit like wandering out into the middle of a river with a giant bag around your body as the water rushes down. God doesn't need to punish you when you break sin, when you, when you, when you do things you shouldn't do. That punishment is built into the choice already. It's not going to lead to a good result. And the good thing for us, the good news is that, that Jesus, right, in Jesus, God, this immense and amazing power that surrounds us and penetrates us and, and holds us up became just like us. Probably prone to making the same kind of foolish decisions that we kind of make, but whose will was so closely aligned with the Father's that he didn't. Which is both kind of a, a reproach because surely if Jesus can do it, we think he's human. Maybe we can do it too. Maybe not. But at the same time, he gives us an example of how to live our lives. That in Jesus, God walks among us and shows us how human life should be lived. With grace, with mercy, with hospitality, with welcoming everyone as an individual and not resorting to stereotypes or biases or prejudices, but welcoming everyone who comes to him and seeing them as a child of God, equal in creation. And so that Jesus, that embodiment of God among us, not only shows us the way, but also gave us a promise to be always with us. That when we do wade out into the middle of the river, and when we do do the things that we know we shouldn't do, or we fail to do the things that we know we probably really should, that Jesus is always there to reach out that helping hand to bring us back to the shore, to bring us back to the safe place, to bring us back on to the path of righteousness. That our sins are, are inherent in kind of being a human. But God's forgiveness and mercy and grace and love overpowers that. And that we as the people of God, when we come together in the community, we hold ourselves accountable to God's will. And we, at our very best, we offer that helping hand as Christ to one another to keep us from getting into the really deep water, to bring us back from the edge, and to hold ourselves together in safety as we walk the path of Jesus. God is awesome and immense beyond imagining. And it is wise for us to respect that and to approach it with reverence. 
But the same thing is true for us that was always true for the Israelites and all the people of scriptures. That the first word from God is always the same. Don't be afraid. That this awesome power is also the source of light and life and love and mercy. And that its proximity in our lives is a sign of great favor and not something to be feared. Amen.